Good morning, Emmanuel. How many of you love Jesus today? Good? Come on. Want to welcome all those joining uh, here in the room at Spring Lake Park online, Lakeville, Maple Grove, Elk River. We are so excited uh, for today and what God is doing. We are closing out our eight-week series here on the book of Exodus. And so it is an honor uh, and privilege to share the word of God here today. Uh, I want to highlight, we've had, uh, we had a, one of our Kingdom Builders youth uh, trips, our teams came back last night from Alaska. We actually had three teams for students that were heading out this past summer. We had our first trip was to El, or uh, sorry, New Orleans uh, that was led by Pastor Ali and Pastor Donovan. And then we had a team to El Salvador that Michelle and I, uh, we led. And it was just an amazing uh, opportunity to partner with King's Castle down there in the beautiful country of El Salvador. And then we had Team Alaska got back this past weekend that was led by Pastor Danny and Pastor Jeff. And uh, we just saw so many amazing things uh, that God did and heard stories of life change. It's just, it's so cool that God is still at work, amen? It's amazing to see that what God does, not just through his people, but as we say yes, what he was doing in the hearts and the minds of students. And so we heard testimonies of physical healings of uh, students on our own team, as well as as they were going into the different communities and prayer, uh, praying. And we had hundreds and thousands of students that gave their life to Jesus for the first time as well in these different um, opportunities. And so just so honored to be at a church that believes in the next gen and then sending, investing and sending in the next gen. And so I just wanna say thank you for all of our kids volunteers that serve on Sundays and Wednesdays that are at kids camp, youth volunteers, all the young adult volunteers opening up their homes to young adults this summer. We can give it up, we can clap for that. Man, it's been an amazing summer. Uh, and so we love to joke here at Emmanuel that uh, Next Gen, we go 53 weeks a year when it comes to Next Gen. We are just so passionate about what God is doing in the Next Gen. So we're going to hop into our message here today, week eight of Exodus. And I just got to do a little bit of a trigger warning here for those of you that are about to look at some of these photos. This could uh, just really bump up against a sore spot, if you will, from uh, different things that have maybe taken place um, in your home, apartment, all that, and that is instructions. Everybody say instructions. So we've got a couple of fun photos to get us rolling here. Uh, first one, you'll see on the pizza box here, it says, please remove the pizza before eating or open the box before eating the pizza. So you look at, I, I look at things like that, I go, what happened, right? Like that a national corporation goes, we need this printed on our boxes for when people order our pizza. Like, is this like, Closing the liability door, like I'm, that's, a, that's one. Uh, for all my dog people uh, watching here, it's uh, please clean it or pick up after your dog. So like, I mean, this is like that person that's like literal, right? The concerning element in this photo, I'm like, bro, where's your hand? Like, you know, like, like your dog just did, like, okay, I digress, I digress. The next one, a parent's like, this one hit, hit me different as a parent. Because I'm watching this, I'm looking at this, I'm going, I feel like that's the amount of times I ask my kids to do something. And it's like, but you see the reminders of it, right? Now, this last one, before we get to it, I just, for those of you getting ready to go to college this fall, okay, this is one you might have not had to tangle with this beast yet, okay? This is one, I've seen this end friendships. Some of the most uh, crazy things have been spoken out of frustration and insecurity over the integration and engagement of these instructions. And this next one, uh, it's, uh, so some of you are like, what is that? It's Ikea instructions. And 
There are those of you that's like, listen, the, the price will get you. So like my college students back to school, you're like, oh, this fits my college budget. It's great. You might lose a roommate over this, okay? Just going to give you a heads up on that one. Uh, now, when it comes to instructions, there's a couple of different type of people when it comes to instructions. And if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to nudge somebody next to you, like that's on you, okay? That's between you, them, and God. Uh, the first set of people when it comes to instructions are those that are like, they like to lay everything out. Like they open the box, they make sure all the parts are there and they lay it all out. They look at the instructions, they double check and they make sure everything's there and then they begin. Then we have some of our, our, our flow people. Our flow people, what they like to do is as, like, as the page turns, they're looking to see if the parts are there and they kind of, they go with the flow. They're a little bit more chill, they're relaxed. Then we have our brave souls. Those that say instructions, what instructions? Oh, I, I've got this. Back in my day, or I saw a TikTok video, like, I've got this, right? And that we know how that tends to end. And then there's a new group that has emerged over the last several years, and that even though there's instructions in the box, they're like, you know what? I'm gonna go look at YouTube, because I don't trust these instructions from the company that I bought it from that printed it, so I'm gonna go to YouTube, because I think there might be an easier way than the instructions are letting on to getting this set up. And so there's a number of different ways, once again, when it comes to instructions. And as you can tell, this is going to be the title of today's message. And that is, what do the instructions say? What do the instructions say? Now, we can laugh about it looking at some of these photos and, and talking about some of the different types of people when it comes to engaging with instructions. But what I know to be true, I know this is true in my life, and if, uh, if it's not, have, has not been true in your life yet, it probably will take place at one point, and that is you will be engaging and, and navigating life, and th there's these different ways of, well, maybe I know what to do. I'm going to lean on my own knowledge, or I'm going to try to do it on my own, my own efforts and works. We get to the spot. With this question, we go, how did I get here? This doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. It's not as advertised that I heard the pastor talking about this joy and peace that I would have, but how come do I still feel like I'm wrestling with stress and doubt? They said when we got married, it would all get better and we'd be fine, but why do I still feel like we're having the same arguments? Why, like, why are my kids still acting this way? They said they'd be sleeping by two, and that's, they're two and a half, and they're still not sleeping through the night. What happened? How did I get here? And we get to this spot where we find ourselves in this place, whether we were doing it on our own knowledge or trying to do it on our own human effort, and we ask ourselves, how did I get here? And what we want to unpack over the next several moments together is to begin to look at this question and go, God, what do your instructions say? God, what do your instructions say? We're gonna be diving into, shocker, the book of Exodus here, okay? And so for those of you that are newer to the Bible, uh, just um, we're gonna be first off looking at Exodus chapter 36 for those of you that will be uh, following along in your paper Bible um, or digital. Uh, but for those of you that are newer to the word of God or would just now be engaging with the Bible, we'll let you know the Bible's broke up into two spots, Old Testament and New Testament. New Testament is when Jesus uh, shows up. We see the, his life, ministry, and then even the birth of the capital C church. It's just an amazing, amazing just a collaboration of text. Old Testament is like the wild, wild west, all right? Like you realize, you read it and go, Jesus, that's, you should have probably came back sooner because it was, it was crazy. And we just see this journey 
As we've been looking at the last several weeks in the book of Exodus, following a group of people called the Israelites, and in this we see all these moments of miracles and mountaintop moments, and then the disobedience and the doubts and the delay and just what that did and just this real amazing picture of humanity when it comes to our quest and, and, and efforts of following Jesus, if you will, and following God's instructions. We get to the end of, the, uh, of Exodus here, and just a couple of uh, points, backstory points as we hop into Exodus chapter 36 here in a moment. Exodus 35, if you go back and look at it, you begin to see that there's this plan that's given through, from God through Moses to the people, and it's a compelling plan, right? And so you see in the text, it actually says that uh, you see this unlocking of the generous hearts of the people of Israel, these gifted hands, the talents that they had. And then we go on, and later on in, uh, in Exodus 35, a little further down, you see that it actually speaks of their hearts being stirred by the vision, their spirits being moved by what God was doing. There's this grand plan to build this tabernacle for his people in the middle of the desert, and all they're wandering, and God is downloading this plan through Moses, and the people are excited about this. And we are introduced to a character named Bezalel. Everybody say Bezalel. That's a fun one, right? Some of you will have a good tongue twister at, at lunch with that one. Now, Bezalel was like the original Chip Gaines of the Old Testament, right? Like, you look at this man's credentials. The man's like, it's like, hey, oh, you need me to build a tablet? I got you, right? Like, I got this. And this accolade, when the Bible brags about you, you know you're that deal, okay? Like, and Bezalel has this list of accolades. And so we see there's this plan that God has downloaded. And they are, people are inspired. They are generous. They are giving. And God is uh, just showing Moses, like, hey, I've gifted you. There's somebody in, your, in Israel, in the nation, that can follow through and, and do this plan. And now I need to highlight as well just the scope and scale of this real quick. And it's found in Exodus, a little later in Exodus, and it mentions that over 600,000 men, it's, a, it's one of those um, passages that's easy to kind of glaze over a little bit, but it mentions that there was over 600,000 men that paid taxes that were over the age of 20. Now, some of my 18, 19-year-olds in the room are like, I'm trying to have that rule for taxes now, right? But looking at, there's 600,000 men, 20 or older, that paid taxes. So it doesn't even keep in record the people below the age of 20 that were men, women, and children, and there was 600,000. So when you hear numbers like 1.5 million, you're going like, oh, like this was a, this was a big group of people. And it's going to help highlight a little bit of just the scope and scale, if you will, once again, of the text that we're going to read here today. So Exodus 36, chapter 1 through 7. And this is how it reads. The Lord has gifted Bezalel, Ohiliab, and other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Ohiliab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Remember, their hearts were moved, their spirits were moved. That just over just the plan and what God was doing. So verse four, finally the craftsmen who were working in the sanctuary left their work and they went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women do not prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Now, there's something that we're going to pause here before going to Exodus 40 and then beginning to unpack this a little bit and what this looks like 
to apply to our lives, but what we notice is there's a plan. God has downloaded this plan through Moses to the people. There was a plan. There was material. They had all that they needed to execute the plan. There was then people of ability. They had the abilities. They had the knowledge. They had all of these components and variables. Now the last thing that they needed was to actually do the work, was to actually apply all of this, that, to execute the game plan, to apply their gifts and talents and abilities, to use the material and to be faithful to do the work to completion. So we pick up then in Exodus chapter 40. It's at the end of Exodus here. and We're gonna be looking at verse 33, or the end of 33 down to 38. And it reads this, it says, so at last Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day and at night, fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all of their journeys. We see in Numbers chapter 9, there's actually a, a reference to this, and it kind of expounds on it a little bit more. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15 through 17, it says, On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern at night, that the cloud that covered the tabernacle had appear, the appearance of fire. Imagine like that just being the norm. Like, oh, that's, that's a big one today. Like, wow, it's really bright. Like, that, like, that's amazing, right? Verse 17, whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. So what we notice here, there's a plan there's knowledge, there's the material, there's the ability. And we see the example of what it looks like with Bezalel as he practiced faithfulness in doing the work and completing the work. That in this moment, we saw at the end of Exodus 40 and then in Numbers 9, that all of a sudden the presence of God filled the tabernacle. That all of a sudden that we see just God show up in this crazy, amazing way. And what we're going to be looking at is a few questions here in a moment of what does it look like for us to practice faithfulness to do the work? Now, I have an illustration here that is, I, I would like to think at Pastor Nathan Graham's level style of illustration. And so shout out to my mom and dad for finding this and having this, you know. Um, so what we have is a tabernacle making kit. This is real. Okay. Um, it's real. It's a real box. And there's pieces in there, right? Uh, this is the best tabernacle because apparently, that, I mean, it's on the box, so I don't know what the competition is in the tabernacle-making kit industry. Um, I hear it's pretty competitive, you know, like sacrifices and all that stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it's the best, right? And then it's an excellent product, okay? And uh, if you know, we'll have strong faith if we'll make it. So if you want to grow in your faith, go get yourself a tabernacle-making kit. That might just be the very thing you need on your faith journey, right? And you know, you're just looking at it. It's just amazing. Now, it said it takes one hour to make. We were going to make this during service, but 
That's a little too long here today, okay? So, I mean, if you want, just go find yourself a tabernacle-making kit and uh, have yourself a good time, right? Fun for the whole family. Even got the animals sitting there waiting to be sacrificed. Wow. The, (laughs) The authenticity is amazing, right? And so, looking at this, we could... Give it up real quick. Well, thank you so much. We see that even in this moment, right, there's a plan, there is the material, there's the ability, there's the knowledge. We have to be faithful to do the work. Pastor Nate has a quote that he shares often uh, from this very stage and in this platform, and it is, success is accomplishing God's mission, God's way, and God's timing. Success is accomplishing God's mission, not our will, God's mission, God's way, and God's timing. There was a case study done uh, several years ago of a company called General Magic. Now, uh, for those of you that have iPhones in the room, uh, this company um, actually was the first to come up with the concept of a digital device that would be able to access and do all these features that we have today on our iPhones and Android devices. So there's actually a sketch that they came up with from this company. It's a documentary. It's an actually fascinating documentary uh, that uh, details all of this. Now, what you need to know, this company, as they began to vision cast this back in 1995, their IPO, they initially had 95 plus million dollars come in, in the, to help with the development of, of this product, along with additional investors. They had over $300 million come in because, I mean, the idea of this back in 1995, you could imagine, like, this is going to change the game. Now, their team was stacked. Their intern was one of the developers of eBay, right? That's the intern pro. Some of my interns in the room are like, yo, I got to step my game up, right? Like, and you're looking at the team that was assembled was from Apple. They were part of the lead team of developing the first Apple Mac computer. And so you see that there's a lot of knowledge there, right? There's a lot of ability in this room. But what's amazing as you begin to look and watch this story in this case study you're going through, they had the vision, they had the plan, they had money and material, ability and knowledge. But in 1997, they filed for bankruptcy. Because as the case study began to show and, and, and recognize in there, they failed to do the work. They didn't stop to actually begin to develop the product. They kept, well, what if we did this? And they kept adding in and went back to ideation and went back to, well, what about this? And what if we added this feature? And rather than we just need to get something out there, they missed and failed to do the work. You could have all the knowledge. You could have all the material. You could have the plan, and it could sound like a good plan. But if you don't do the work, if we don't begin to be faithful to do all that God has asked us to do, all it becomes is just us living in this echo chamber, regurgitating different phrases that we've heard from friends and social media. And there's a, meanwhile, there's a world that's out there that needs Jesus. What would it look like for us to be faithful to do the work? So there's just a, a few questions I just want to share uh, here today. And one of the reasons I love questions is um, only you can be as honest as you want with yourself. Uh, you, only you can, like nobody lies to you like you. Uh, a great example is that, I mean, I... I think Taco Bell is healthy after 10 o'clock. I'm pretty sure 10 o'clock at night. Sorry, some of my people are like, yeah, 10 a.m., perfect. No, uh, after 10 at night, it just, it just sounds different. It tastes different. It's amazing, but it's probably a lie. Um, but looking at these questions, I want us to begin to wrestle with this and take this with us this week when it comes to faithfulness 
and following through and applying the instruction that God has given us. As we see with Bezalel and, and, and the nation of Israel, there was a faithfulness to do what they know they should do, what they had the material for and applying their abilities. There was a faithfulness to do that. But what does that look like for us in our, in our day in life here today? So the first question I want us to begin to look at, what does faithfulness look like with where God has me? What does faithfulness look like with where God has me? Now, I do want to mention this is not... Um, and encouragement for those of you that find yourself in toxic situations or relationships to remain there, okay? This is not that. And actually, by, at the end of service here at all of our locations and here at Spring Lake Park, I would encourage you, come up to one of our prayer team members and just receive prayer. Begin to submit that to God and just begin to uh, just experience God in a, in a deeper, profound way because that is not something that this point in question is encouraging. So I just need to reference that. But what I do want to speak to is when it comes to these different seasons of life, what does faithfulness look like? with where God, or where God has me. And I, what I mean by that is so much we can find that the spirit of comparison will rob us of the joy of contentment. That we see that we're so quick to look to our left and right, like, I should be here. Like, how did that person get the promotion before me? How did they get the house before me? I've seen how they've spent. How did they got that car? How did their kid get into that school? How, like, all these different things. That we, it's so easy to get caught up in that. And the spirit of comparison that it begins to rob us of the ability and the awareness of God. What does faithfulness look like with where you have me? And it might even be just like doing a check of going, God, okay, what's the experience that I've accrued? Looking back of going, okay, God, like that, that makes sense. I, I recognize where, how you're using that experience or knowledge that you begin to, to, to grow in or different learning experiences, moments saying, God, wherever I'm at, I'm gonna take everything out of these moments as much as I can. Because God, I don't want to miss it. I want to be faithful. The second one, what does faithfulness look like with what God has given you? We talk a lot about this with our kingdom builders and tithe when it comes to stewardship, but when it comes to just the different gifts, abilities, talents, resources, materials, all that God has given you, what does it look like for us to practice faithfulness with what God has already given us? We see that with Bezalel. What I love looking at the text with Bezalel and, and Israel was that there was so much that they had, that he actually went like, like oh, God, like, we're good. Or Moses, we're good. We don't need any more. But notice, they were still in the desert, right? Like, it wasn't like they had already got to the promised land as we looked at through the journey of, of, of Israel. But in that moment, they were faithful with where they were, with what God has given them. What would faithfulness look like for you with what God has already given you? The third one, what does faithfulness look like with what God is doing in me. When it comes to these, uh, just, just the, the soul care and the development of what's going on beneath the surface, if you will. You know, Winston Churchill had a great quote, it's the mountaintops that inspire us, but it's the valleys that mature us. That as we look at this, some of you might find yourself in the season where it feels like everything is going wrong. And you look up at these friends and neighbors and you go, it always feels like everything's going right for them, that nothing happens if their family pictures are perfect. I bet they got it in one take, that they didn't have to force their kid to smile by bribing them with candy. Oh, that vacation looks great. Or that job, oh, their product's doing much better than my product. What's the difference? And, and it's so easy to miss out on that. Or God, why does it seem like everything happens to my family? God, I, I prayed I, and I went to the prayer service. God, I, I, I went through all these motions. God, I feel like I'm doing the right things, but why does it still feel like I'm in a valley? You see, it's some moments that when the character of God, there's only some parts of the character of God that you can discover in a valley that you can't discover in a mountaintop. 
that when you discover that Psalms 23, the psalmist begins to write that there's a presence that even in our darkest, lowest moment, that he is present. That it talks about that he prepares for us a table in the presence of our enemies. You see that he is faithful, that he's, he's not like, oh, you're going through a bad time. Let me know when everything's good and I'll come back. That he's like, no, that he is present. It also says he's near to the brokenhearted. So what does it look like for us to practice faithfulness for what God is doing in me? God, I don't understand what's happening, but God, I trust that God, whatever you're doing in me, at what point, God, you're gonna want to use through me. So God, I trust you. I'm faithful, Lord God. And the final one, what does it look like to be faithful in the follow-through with all the previous questions? What does it look like to be faithful in the follow-through, to continue to say, God, I know what to do. I see what you've given me. And God, I'm gonna apply, I'm gonna do the work. I'm gonna follow through on this. We see that with Bezalel and Israel within our text, right? They have seen the miracle moments They've seen where Israel has celebrated God for parting the Red Sea, but in the same moment, they begin to look at, God, where are you? And as we heard a couple weeks ago from Pastor Darren, they they construct the golden calf and where they're going, well, God, you're not here. Moses, you're gone. I guess we're going to make our own gods. The Bezalel is a part of this journey. He's seeing this, but what he is recognizing, God, you've given us a plan. You are faithful that in all of this, Lord, you're still faithful. You're still good. And we see a follow through to completion of this. Now, I could think of no greater example in Scripture than Jesus. Actually, a a homework assignment I would share with everyone listening here today would be to go back and look at Philippians 2. It's found in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he captures this, this word picture beautifully with Jesus. He says that Jesus, being the Son of God, did not see his position in heaven as something to cling to, but that in looking at the brokenness of humanity, he puts on the skin of human as of a human, comes down, lives a sinless life, dies a sinner's death, so that you and I might have hope. So we see that there is a follow-through there from Jesus, right? Like he kind of like he's not asking you to do anything that he himself has not already done. We see obedience took him to the cross, but love kept him there. There was a follow-through there. The empty tomb is also evidence of that as well, that Jesus finishes what he started. And we're living in that grace. We are living in that joy. We're living in that hope. Now, I was inspired by some of our students. They had a a Bible study Thursday night, and they were in the book of Mark chapter 8, and there was a text there that as we're looking at instructions, Jesus lays out a set of instructions. And what I love about Jesus is he's clear. Like, there's clarity in this. And, you know, outside of some of the parables that you got to dive in and say, God, what do you mean by this? This was one of those points that God, I, I can imagine Jesus is looking at his disciples. He's looking at his followers. And as clear as they, these, this is what he begins to speak. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus says, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves. Other translations say, give up their own rights. Take up their cross and follow me. When it comes to our own selfish desires and motives, I mean, we see all throughout humanity. I mean, this is, it's a real tension. It's a wrestling match. You look in Romans chapter seven and it's this picture of humans wrestling match where the apostle Paul actually writes, he goes, why do I do what I know I should not do and I don't do what I should do. And it's kind of this like, it's just bars on bars. And, uh, and, and Paul's going back and forth in this wrestling match though of kind of going, okay, what does it look like 
God, to take these desires, these desires that I've seen that, as we talked about earlier, have led me to a place I don't want to be. What does it look like to take up my cross that even though, God, this weight, this burden, Lord, it looks, it looks too heavy for me to carry my own. Well, because you're not supposed to carry it on your own. Matthew 11, Jesus offers the invitation, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest, I will give you peace. And my, yoke is bur- my yoke and burden, it's easy, it's light. So as we take up our cross and we choose to p- pick that back up, we find that once again, we're not alone. And then the work comes in of following Jesus to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. A question that I've wrestled with all week and uh, when it comes to just even this concept of like doing the work that sometimes we can be so literal when it comes to the instructions that we're giving that we're more in love with the method than we are the Messiah. That we could be more committed to the method rather than just going, God, what are you doing? Leaving room for something new to happen that we hold so tight to the way it's supposed to be done and this is the method and this is how we've always done it. This is how my family did. This is how, uh, the, the, this is how I feel like I have to do it. But what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is offering, like, would you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? To be more in love with me than the method to follow. As we get ready to close here, I'm gonna encourage the keys to come up. This is our church lingo for we're almost done. Dallas Willard has this quote. Dallas Willard, uh, just a famous uh, Christian theologian. The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. It's easy to want to do the right thing. We see it as humans, we do this all the time. We will judge others by their actions and ask others to judge us by our intentions, right? It's easy to to know what the right thing is to do, but it's another thing to do the work to bring about the right result. It's another thing to begin to apply to do the work. You see, God has a plan. Whether you're here today, you're new to this whole faith thing and and hearing about God and his son Jesus, like God has a plan for you. God has a plan. And as Psalms 139 says, you are all, we are all gifted and knit together in our mother's womb. So there's the ability, right? As we grow in faith, there's these, this connection, there's the knowledge of what's right and what is wrong as we continue to grow in that. And God provides and and trusts us with these material, this, the different thing. Everybody has something. Right, we're blessed to be a blessing. It's not just for us, it's for others, for God to use it. So God has a plan. God has given you ability. He's given us knowledge. He's given us those, the things to steward for his glory. But at the end of the day, we have to, we go, God, what does it look like for me to begin to do the work, to begin to live this out? And not just start it, but God, just to continue to see it to completion. It's not a commitment to perfection but it is a commitment to action. Um, 
I brought a, a, a Bible here today. Uh, growing up, my, um, my father, um, I've told many stories about him and just this amazing man of God. We lived in a, an old, old creaky house in South Minneapolis, grew up down there right off of 38th and Cedar. And uh, I remember in the mornings I would, I would sneak down at the top of the stairs. My, my father had his, uh, his office downstairs and I could hear him praying. I learned to pray and began to um, just be so interested in just my holy curiosity was sparked by listening to him pray. And just these prayers of just, I felt like him and God, like I felt like God was sitting in the chair next to him the way he would talk to him. He would laugh, he would cry, bang his fists on the table at times in intercession. But I would listen to my father and he would pray and, and his Bible would always be open right next to him. And as he would just jot down notes of what God was doing and speaking to him. And I remember in high school, the greatest gifts I ever got, my father walks up to me and he hands me his Bible. And I recognize this Bible. I recognize some of the tear-stained pages and, and the crumpled, uh, just like the different highlighters, the yellow meant one thing, the orange meant another, pink meant another. And he, it was all there. But as I opened up the Bible, I saw his notes, questions he had between him and God, the conversations, the dialogue between him and God written within the footnotes and the different sides of the pages. And I saw just the things that he would wrestle with, the things that he would celebrate. But it was almost like instructions for the instructions of how to begin to use this. Now fast forward, I actually, I put that Bible in a safe spot because I know like the amount that's been used, I didn't want it to fall apart. But fast forward in my first year as a youth pastor, and uh, a mentor of mine walks up and he gives me this Bible. And in it, I began to look at the pages and it seems similar. There was other notes written down. And then I go to the front of the page and there was this, this charge in how to use this. And I loved it because he didn't assume that, you know, Phil, you know how to use this, but it was an encouragement. I said, Phil, your priorities is prayer, presence, people, and preaching Christ resurrected and Christ crucified. And I began to look through these notes and there's different times I can recall in low moments where I've messed up and I tried to do it on my own. And where I tried to use my knowledge of what I thought, what to say and how to do it, all those different things. And it got me nowhere. And I got to that spot of going, how did I get here? This wasn't... This wasn't in the plan. This isn't as advertised. I would feel this prompt in the spirit. I begin to open up the Bible and I would begin to go through the word and I begin to go back and say, God, what do your instructions say? What does your guide say? God, what does this look like? Lord, forgive me for trying to do it on my own. God, I have strayed. I've gotten off path. I've gotten off course. What do your instructions say? And I would find that even in these notes, I would see those that have gone before me. I would see just the wrestling match and even similar encouragements of going, wow, they went through that as well. That's the question I was asking. And I would draw life and encouragement from those that have gone before as they had navigated the instructions. And as they opened up the word of God, I began to find the guidance and the life and the teaching that I needed, not just so that I could accomplish my own goals, but as I denied myself, God, as I begin to take up my cross saying, God, if this is what you have, then God, I'm going to pick it up and follow Jesus, not out of my own strength, not of my own will, but saying, God, I'm following your instructions. As the people 
the end of Exodus, that as the presence of God fell, or as it would, as it would uh, rise from the tabernacle and move so the people would move. And this is how it was. And here's my encouragement today, Emmanuel. What do the instructions say? What do the instructions say? That it's not, hey, what does that podcast say? What does that YouTube reel say? What does that book say? But those are good supplements. Those are good encouragements. But God, what do your instructions say? And as we go through it, to begin to apply and do the work, to do the work of being salt and light, of loving your neighbor, of making disciples of Jesus. Of as it's spoken of in the book of John, to love others as Christ modeled, literally denying himself, literally taking up his cross. What does it look like? So this week, this, the whole point as we close out this message, as we see with Bezalel, or Hiliad, nation of Israel, God's given you a plan. You might not, you might go, I don't know what God's plan is for my life. What do the instructions say? God, I don't know what gifts or talents. I don't feel like I got anything to offer. What does the instructions say? God, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where to even begin. What do the instructions say? God, I don't know if I can do it on my own. The instructions actually say that in our weakness, he's strong. What do the instructions say? As we saw in the completion of those willing to do the work, God showed up in a powerful and a mighty way. And so it could be something as simple this week. You might have that project that's been sitting in your garage, taking up half of your garage space that you started in May, but still just sitting there. Part of the application might just be completing the project. Some of you here, it might be something where you started uh, the Alpha Bible reading in a year plan back in January and you fell off around April to pick that back up. Some of you, it might be the trip that you've been talking about of taking with your family, just taking the trip. Some of you, it might be forgiving that person, that family member. It might be time to turn in the receipts, if you will. You know what to do, God has a plan. God's giving the ability. Let's do the work. That's what the instructions say. I'm gonna invite everybody to stand on up as we get ready to close here this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful. Lord Jesus, that Lord, you're the greatest example of this. As we saw that, Lord, you put on the skin of humanity, God, to come to be with a broken people, Lord Jesus, that did not deserve you, but yet you came willingly, lived a sinless life, God, to die a sinner's death, God, so that we might have hope to experience grace, Lord God, and mercy and love. And God, we just pray that even today, Lord God, Lord, I pray against guilt and condemnation that will try to come in and rob the ability of turning around and doing the work, Lord God. But Lord, even today, God, that you would remind us of the plan that you have, Lord God, of what you've already given us, Lord God that we would not look to the left or right, but God, that our name is in our lane that you have placed us, Lord God. And I pray that, Lord, that there would be a sense of renewed energy and focus to what you are doing and wanting to do, Lord God.
And we just pray that even right now, Lord Jesus, that for the doubts that could creep in, well, I've tried that, I've been there, I've done that, and all I've experienced was failure. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would renew and you would restore, even in this moment, Lord God, at Lakeville, in Elk River, in Maple Grove, online, here at Spring Lake Park, Lord God. May we be a people, Lord God, that turns to you, Lord God, and God, that, that we would not try to do the work on our own, but as we partner with the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that we would continue, Lord Jesus, to see a new work taking place in our homes, in our jobs, God, in our families, in our friendships, in our relationships, Lord God. That, Lord, as we would continue to commit to do the work, Lord God, we would see you move in such a mighty way, God, in a fresh and new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Um, before we close here today, um, one of the many things I love about our church is every Sunday we give an opportunity for those that have yet to make that decision to follow Jesus, to begin this wonderful journey. And to also offer an invitation for those that, of you that have stepped away from following Jesus, you could take a thousand steps away, but it only takes one step to come back. And so we wanna give this opportunity, as we do every week, to make this decision to begin following Jesus. And if you would with me, just close your eyes, open your hearts. We do this out of respect for those that might be a little bit more nervous right now to make that decision and we just want to give this opportunity here. And on the count of three, if that's you and saying, Pastor, I'm ready to take that step and begin that journey of following Jesus. It's not a call to perfection. It is not a call that you have it all together. It's just saying, it's a call to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And I believe in you. And I want to, I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. Jesus, I'm following you. If that is you on the count of three, if you would be so bold just to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yep. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel comfortable, can you put a hand on the shoulder next to you? We do this out of a sign, just like we're in this together, all around the room. This is Redwood Faith, right? Pastor Nate talks about this. It says interconnected faith, that we're in this together. You're not alone. We're going to all pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I love you. I believe in you. Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins, making me new making me like you. Jesus, I'm not going back. I'm moving forward with all that you have. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Hey, we had four hands go up here in second service. Let's go. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.